Internet, hello. Or, as I like to say it, hello, it's me. Oh, Adele. All right, so um, we're going to bring you part two of our conversation with Bonnie Lewis on grief. So good. And lament and disappointment. And this one, this this part two here is a bit more practical. We get into, uh, we're going to bash uh, some cliches. We're, we're going to give um, some practical, uh, hopefully helpful advice on how to respond to people when they're grieving uh, and, and how not to. <laughs> and, and so we had such great feedback uh, from part one. Uh, we're excited to unveil part two in the middle of, you know, a season typically where people are, are only interested in shiny and happy things. It's interesting. The holiday season, um, on the one hand, is full of nostalgia and wonder and, you know, excitement. On the other, it's the, the, the rate of suicide is highest and loneliness and mental illness all come to the forefront. So anyway, we present to you Bonnie part two. Here you go. Enjoy. As our resident expert in grieving and loss. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's never how I imagined I know. to share a story. I know. But Seriously. That I, always happens. I, I, I want a story that includes me being a Jedi. Remember yeah. that story where I saved everyone and everything was happy? Yes. Nope. Nope. Didn't happen. <laughs> so if you're tuning in new, um, last episode... We heard uh, a bit of Bonnie's story. She was very, very honest about some stuff she suffered. And, and, and we're talking through, because both of us have gone through some stuff, and, and many of you have gone through worse. But um, we're, we're, we're wanting to provoke a conversation around the idea of lament. Mm-hmm. And the fact that for many of us, we've not been equipped in Christian thinking, in Christian practice, in the Christian community, for, for more than just a card or a casserole or a cliche. And those things do real damage mm-hmm. to, to those of us who are in the midst of suffering and grief. And so, um, just as a reminder, uh, Bonnie uh, is a dear, dear friend. Um, she is launching her own uh, podcast um, called Out of, or no, Out of the Blue. No, that's a movie. <laughs> Find the Blue. Find, Find the, blue. the Blue. And it's a website and a podcast. And, and it's her, it's a bunch of her learnings from the really hard journey that is, has included losing a child, that has included um, depression and, and being paralyzed to the point almost of not being able to get out of bed for several months and mm-hmm. mold poisoning and just, and, and the recognition that in the midst of darkness, um, that, that, that some parts of the Christian subculture add to it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not yeah. helping. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yes. And, and, and so, so let's do just a couple of horror stories uh, just to kind of set the table. And again, there's so many good people and, and we're not trying to generalize, but we are trying to call out parts of Christian culture that need to be corrected mm-hmm. in this regard. And so, so things that, things that were crazy for me, uh, the, the, I, I mentioned last episode, uh, the folks that came in looked at my dad withering away from cancer and said, right. that's God's plan. Um, uh, when I was depressed, so I went through a season, I, I had ACL surgery when I was when I was 32. Mm-hmm. I'd blown an ACL. And um, I came out of that uh, having panic attacks. And those mm-hmm. spiraled into massive, massive depression. I mean, massive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would just, from family members, from... 
uh, the, the amount of, well, you need to pray harder. You need to read the Bible more. You need, you know, if you can't handle this, right. how could you handle something that was really tough? You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> yes, it, it was yes. just like, oh my goodness. And, and it was just so bad. And I'm so embarrassed, mm-hmm. right? Because who wants, who wants to have mental illness? And, 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 and it came out of the blue. I mean, there was right. just, there was no reason for it. Right. I felt like I went into surgery as one guy and I came out of surgery an entirely different guy. Mm-hmm. And there were days I just couldn't get out of bed and I would sob and it was, I was terrified and anxious. And it was, I, I, I go back and read my journals from those days and I can hardly make it through mm-hmm. the, the, the terror of those. Yeah, it's awful. But the words that were being spoken over me weren't helpful. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> they weren't helpful. Um, or, or when we found out our youngest had Down syndrome, and I've told this story so many times, please forgive me, but we d- delayed having a third child. We'd had two. Um, the, 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 our oldest, uh, Nate, was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum, and so we, we went through that. Um, and thankfully he's not on the spectrum any longer, thanks to God's amazing intervention and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we found, I found out uh, my dad died of cancer a year, a year later on the anniversary of my dad's death, we get the call that yeah. our third has Down syndrome. Yeah. And, and, and we shared it with our church two weeks later when it was still really raw. Mm-hmm. And people, I remember that people Sunday. were mm-hmm. upset with us for being upset. Mm. I remember a letter I got from somebody who said there are worse things than having a child with uh, genetic abnormalities. And and I was prepared to hear that, except she didn't have one. Right, <laughs> yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. And I'm sure that's true. But mm-hmm. in the moment, really, really. Not helpful. You wanna shame us for being, you wanna shame us for being upset. And I, I wish I were so godly, we said, yep, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Right. But we weren't, we were bummed. Well, it's not that you weren't godly, it's just that you were human. Oh. Well, evidently you have to pick. Yeah, that's what they say, don't and, they? <laughs> and so so what were some of the things you heard in the um, midst of your journey that were just crazy things? I heard a lot of um well, it's okay, you'll have another you'll you'll have another kid. Oh, good. So that was interesting, yep. which is always so interesting to me because we are um as a general community, like all about the person and the God chooses us by hand until you lose one and then they're just replaceable. Right. So that was interesting. The other one was um, that I heard like, this is, you never know, this could have been the biggest gift of God's grace to you. Oh, jeez. And then oh. my favorite was, um, well, when are you going to be yourself again? Right. Or why don't you let me know when you're ready to be yourself? Oh. And then we can talk again. What? That wasn't my favorite. The one, the one I heard that someone said to you was um, that, that just blew my mind. It was well, at least you have one. Yes. Because because yes. you'd had you Chip. I had Chip, and then yeah. this was number two. Or um, oh, I bet you love Chip more now. Ah! I'm like, no, I what? That doesn't right. even make sense to me, and I don't know what to do with that. Right. I'm actually just gonna sit here in silence. To you. So so what we're what we want to present is a, a bit of a theology of lament mm-hmm. and some very practical ways in which you can be helpful yes. <laughs> to those people that and are I lamenting. And I want to be clear, no one's trying to be hurtful. No, no, it's no, It's very no. well-meaning. Yep. Most of these things are from loved family and friends that are still loved family and friends. Yep. And I don't blame them. It's literally, it's never been modeled. Right. And they don't know how. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Although the Bible's full of it, interestingly right. enough. But we we just like the shiny, happy parts. Yes. We don't like the ugly, like, God, why have you abandoned me parts. Right. So so we mentioned last episode Brueggemann's uh, theologian named Walter Brueggemann. He, he, um, he has a typology of Psalms. And if you don't know what Psalms are, it's, it's, they're, these, they're these songs um, and poems that would be sung and marched to and declared that represented Israel's faith mm-hmm. uh, in liturgical form. And a lot of these Psalms were Psalms of people that were bummed and people that were grieving. So Brueggemann says there are Psalms of orientation, which reflect a settled faith. Everything's good. Everything's at peace. God is awesome all the time. God is awesome. Then there are disorientation Psalms where the, the, the world's been turned upside down. God, why aren't you listening? God, where are you? Why aren't you here? And then there are reorientation Psalms where we've gone through suffering, mm-hmm. seen God's presence in the midst of it, see that God can good can bring good out of it, even if the suffering itself wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And and then we walk in a different way mm-hmm. with God. Our, our faith is different. It's it's stronger. It's it's not as cliche driven. Right. Yeah. Well, or formula driven, like we talked about. Exactly. Yes. One. And so so one of the questions that 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 the kind of mystic side of of spirituality has dealt with for generations is why does there seem to be, why do there seem to be seasons of dryness? Why do there seem to be seasons when, when things are going wrong and God isn't more present than normal? He seems more absent than uh-huh. normal. And, and I write about this a bit in the book, Astonished, about something called the dark night of the soul. There's yeah. a plug. I plugged a book. It's first plug, plug, episode six. First plug. First plug. I will plug again. It's a great book. Yes, Bonnie, I'll pay you a residual. I even wrote an Amazon review. What? Which I never do. Oh, my goodness. It was a really good one. Bonnie's new podcast is called (laughs) Find the Blue. Promoted here first. Now, so, so, and one of the great learnings Mm -hmm. of of, uh, my journey has been there are are reasons why, even though the suffering itself isn't bad or is bad, mm-hmm. um, but but there are things that God does there that can't right. be done other way. So one is destroy our formulas, mm-hmm. right? So we've talked about that. Uh, one is that uh, that God allows us to see His goodness in the midst of something instead of avoiding that something. Yeah. In other words. Uh, I saw God God provide for me in the midst of the depression mm-hmm. in ways that didn't take the de- depression away, but yeah, they made exactly. it bearable. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was huge because I thought his right. job was to take it away. That's back to orientation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you only get to reorientation um, as God carries, as you carry the loss and God carries you, mm-hmm. not in a footprints looking back in the sand kind of way. <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 so we're confronted with cliches because people don't know what else to say. Exactly. We've never been trained to deal with people in disorientation. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to introduce. Um, so, so the first point, big time, is lament is biblical. Yes. It, it is an expression of faith. It's an expression of covenant fidelity. Mm-hmm. It is not something... Now, now, the complaining of the Israelites, we talked last time about how that was different than this. This is the presenting of your real human self before God in all of its rawness. Right. And evidently, God doesn't mind because he knows it anyway. Right? He's <laughs> yes. not surprised. Oh, I had no idea oh, you wait, were feeling like this. You right. <laughs> what the world? So, so first, first step in a, in a theology of lament... Mm-hmm 
is that it's biblical. It's an expression of faith. Second step is the recognition that God isn't the author of the things we lament. Mm -hmm. Although we believe that God will and can correct them. Yes. So, so we say to God, God, could you heal my depression? Yes. I cried out for healing all the time. It did not come in the way I expected. Right. Um, we can cry out for, for your lost child. We can cry out for God to rearrange the chromosomes in Seth Erie. None of those things are going to happen. Uh-uh. Um, and so lament becomes almost a clinging to the promise that it won't always be this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, if, if we thought this was just the way the world is, we'd have nothing to lament or protest. Exactly. But we know right. that there is an all-loving, all-good God mm-hmm. who has the capability uh, to render different verdicts and outcomes, mm-hmm. but who chooses not to, mm-hmm. and who allows free agents freedom, yep. so that that His will isn't the only will done on the earth. Yeah. But it will be someday. There mm-hmm. will come a day. Now, so so lament is this in between time where God has come and and through Jesus He heals, He restores, He redeems, but He also doesn't heal, doesn't restore, and doesn't redeem everything mm-hmm. until. That day when Christ returns and put every puts everything back to the way He intended. So, so second step in the theology map is the recognition that evil is evil. God really is good, and God will bring good out of evil. Mm-hmm. But He isn't the author of it. Mm-hmm. And 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 we'll have a bunch of brothers and sisters in Jesus who will disagree and say, no, no, everything that happens is the will of God. And we will disagree with those people vigorously in another podcast. Now, <laughs> third step in a theology of lament. I mean, am I making sense so far? Yes, you're doing great. I'm tracking. Third step in the in uh, theology of lament is uh, from the example of Jesus, and it is the recognition that knowing the end of the story doesn't preclude grieving in the midst of it. Say that one more time. That knowing the end of the story doesn't preclude grieving in the midst of the story you're in. Right. So, and we pointed last time to the death of Lazarus. So mm-hmm. here's a friend of Jesus who has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus is sick. Jesus hears about it. Jesus waits until he's dead, fully dead, four days dead, and then shows up. Mary and Martha, and you can hear the Jewish guilt in their voice. If you were here, he wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have died. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jesus comes, and he hears the weeping, and he engages, and he talks about the resurrection to come. And, and Martha, uh, or Mary, I don't remember which one, says, yeah, I believe in the general resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus goes, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm the resurrection and the life here and now. Mm-hmm. But before he heals, and that's the clue that Jesus is going to heal Lazarus. Right. But before he heals him, he weeps. Mm-hmm. And you talked last time about how significant that pause was when it just says Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. And there's just a pause and there's a stillness. And you don't, as a storyteller, you don't move over that part too fast. He wept. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew right. that moment he was going to see his friend in like half an hour. Yeah. And he still wept. Still wept, yeah. So evidently, you can grieve and still feel hopeful. Absolutely. Well, that's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. So lament is the expression of hope in our grief. Mm -hmm. God, it's not always going to be the case that we're going to be depressed. It's not always going to be the case. You know, it's it's the expression that it's not always going to be this way. Mm -hmm. We wish you'd change it now. Now, we can get into in a later podcast why God doesn't change things now yes mm-hmm. and i think he does more than we acknowledge yeah. but not nearly what we'd want right or in the way we want <laughs> or yeah. in the way we want boy yeah. that is it yeah fourth step bonnie 
it comes from this passage. And so I want to, I want to, I want to talk through this a little bit, and I want you to react to it. Okay, I'm ready. Um, I have no idea what's coming. I know that. Well, that's how we do it. This on is the like Vox a podcast. game of um, dodgeball. That, yeah, yes. <laughs> I was just at a trampoline park playing it. That's well, what I of it. course, sweet chip. <laughs> um, so, so it's the same. It's the same episode. Jesus shows up. On his arrival, John 11, verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, the the guy who died, had already been in the tomb for four days. Um, Now, Bethany, this is the village where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, this is a reference uh, to a Jewish practice that I think is brilliant. It's called a sitting Shiva mm-hmm. or Shiva. It's I think it's Shiva in Hebrew, and you got to be careful when you say it, or else we'll have to do another swearing alert. Yeah, yeah. Sorry Sitting Shiva. Now, <laughs> Shiva means seven, okay. and, and and what's being hinted at here? It's the Jewish practice that when someone would experience a loss, and it had to be a certain kind of loss. There are seven relationships that were. Um, that were named as opportunities or responsibilities to sit Shiva. Okay. Um, if it was a significant loss, friends and family of the family that had experienced the loss would come and sit mm-hmm. in the house for seven full days. Amen. They would sit mm-hmm. there. They would not speak unless one of the family. So, so literally, so, so what would happen is Mary and Martha would be sitting in the middle of their room, surrounded by friends and family, all hours of seven days. So they would never be alone mm-hmm. the first seven days. They they were they they didn't. So if uh, if uh, they were male, you didn't have to cut your beard. You didn't have to do. All you would do is go to synagogue on Sabbath. That was it. Mm-hmm. You you didn't cook. You didn't do anything. Everyone everything was done for you. You were never left alone which I just think is the most magnificent yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to be silent, people were silent. And if you mm. wanted people to speak, people would speak. Mm. Now, as when I was in Israel in April, I talked to a family about how this works today. Yeah. And and they said um, they said they still do this. Mm. In fact, they do burial right away. They will often bury the same day. Oh, really? Because they believe that an, an unburied body keeps the spirit attached. Okay. In some in some way, shape, or form, and so they actually do the burial like almost immediately, mm. and then um, then you have these seven days. But after the seven days are over, depending on the, how close the relationship was, that person for the next thirty days. So there there's a seven day shiva, there's a thirty day shiva, and then there's a year long yeah. shiva. You know this? I, I knew it because um, the year long is um, if you lost a child. Yes. It was a year. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and what you do during like the 30 days is you wear different clothes. Mm-hmm. You actually have public declarations that your world isn't the same. Exactly. Yeah. So you wear different clothes. You don't go to concerts. You don't go to parties. 
you're in mourning and everyone knows it. Mm -hmm. And people don't leave you alone. And that doesn't mean people are living with you in the same way they do during the seven days. Right. But there's no one is being bummed at you because you're dread. This is the expectation that for 30 days, you're going to avoid joy. Mm -hmm. You're going to avoid public spectacles of happiness. You are going to wear certain kinds of clothes and that everyone's going to be okay with that. Yeah. And surround you in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the year long, exactly. The year long one was more accentuated than that. You didn't celebrate birthdays. Mm. You, I mean, and so, so what was built in to Jewish culture and still there today was permission, mm-hmm. permission yeah. to be however you are. Mm-hmm. And what is lacking in some Christian community is permission yeah. to be however you are. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So we found out about Seth mm-hmm. and um, that night... Uh, a woman, uh, a friend of my wife's, heard about this. She knew our fear about having a child with Down syndrome. She'd been praying over us for the health of our little baby. She came over, and, and it was the most powerful thing somebody did for me. Mm. She walked, she knocked on her door, burst the door open. This was the night we found out. She walked up to my wife, hugged her, and said, This is not fair. And my wife just melted. I mean, and they sobbed together. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, it was so profound. Mm -hmm. I remember a guy in my worst depression, I had to, uh, I was so, I I mean, I I don't even have words Mm -hmm. to talk about how horrifying I felt. A buddy of mine who um, had struggled with depression too, I I just called him and I couldn't even, I couldn't even get words. I just said, I need help. He came over and he sat with me for three hours, Mm -hmm. just sat there, just sat there Mm -hmm. and just said, I know, I know what it feels like. It's not going to be this way forever. Me too, me too, me too. You know, no guilt, no shame, just. No, let's try this. Right. No Mm -hmm. fixing. Ah, and that isn't that the next step in the theology of lament. Yeah. We don't get to fix each other. Mm -mm. No, Mm -mm. we give each other permission. And that means that that permission can be for them to be angry at themselves, at God or wherever. It means that we don't speak and that I don't know is a great answer. Yep. So, so did you have, did you have people who carried your grief with you in that way? Yeah. You know, the best expression, my sister, she lived across, she lives in New York. She flew in to town and was just there for us. And, um, she was, I remember the day after we lost our baby, we came home after we delivered for 36 hours, we came home that night. And then the next day we were living at my parents at the time and she had just moved to Colorado. And she said, um, how are you doing? And I just, I started crying and, and I said, I can't believe it's only been a day because oh. it felt like, yes. And she said, that's okay. We're going to take it day by day. Yeah. And that. The other gift she gave me is my mom, as being a protective mom, yep. wasn't sure what to do. And she actually did everything right. She just didn't think she was, right? She's like, <laughs> I'm not doing enough. But right. her sitting there and yeah. just being with us was yes. enough. Yes. But my sister said to her, look, this this is our family rule. Everybody is going to surround Bonnie and Sai and Chip. Yeah. And they are allowed to feel, think, say, or do 
anything they want as yeah. long as they're not hurting themselves. Right. And our job is that we go with them. Yeah. That's what we do. Come on, mom. That was my sister and my mom. And they set oh. this up and then that's what we did. So one day I'm like, I think I want to do this. Great. How can we help you? Right. You know, whatever it was. Or yep. I'm not doing anything. Right. Great. And oh, just sit. So I'm that so was glad. a huge gift. She was the one that gave the biggest gift there. Oh, Bonnie. For sitting with us. Yes. And, and I think... So, so here are recommendations. Yeah. So let's say um, you are around somebody who... So we just found out one of our friends, um, she has a little boy uh, with Down syndrome. Um, her husband just left her for uh, another woman um, uh, because he was depressed and anxious about having a, uh, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I just want to go smack him. Mm-hmm. Um, or we have friends that um, their youngest, or no, maybe their second to youngest child, just wakes up one day ex- experiencing blurry vision, uh, goes to the hospital, has a tumor. They operate that day on the tumor, comes back, it's brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And you just go, oh, okay, all right. So so how do you respond? Uh, we've already talked about what not to do, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think, a little bit. And so so let's come up with some ideas for how to help people in their grieving, all mm-hmm. right? So what your mom and sister did for you mm-hmm. would be a huge would one. Would be huge. So yeah. articulate that in just so a sentence. I think the best way is, how I like to say, is you hold space for someone. Okay. So you clear your schedule. Yep. And you hold space in case someone needs you. And you tell them you're holding space. Nice. I'm here for you. I'm going to come sit with you. Yes. Um, I'm going to check in on you. You don't, yeah. You What you don't do there is say, if you need anything, let me know. No, 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 no. no right? Because no one's going to let you know. Because no one's going to let no you know. No one's going to let you know. So you are, you are there. And you sit with them. And you be with them. And you check in on them. And if they do not answer you, you might come and say, hey... I'm here to check, whatever it is, but you hold space saying whatever you need and whatever that looks like, I'm right. here. I'm right. not placing any judgment. I'm not placing any fixing. I'm not placing you should, you shouldn't. I am here and I'm holding space in my life for you. Oh, I love that. All right. And then while you're with the person, okay, mm-hmm. what do you do? You weep with them. Yeah. You say this sucks. This isn't fair. Yes. I don't know why. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> it is not your fault. And um, like the truth that God is weeping too. I yes. think that's huge. Um, one of our biggest turning points in our recovery was realizing that like all the time lamenting and saying, God, where are you? And realizing he was just sitting with us. Yeah. Weeping as well. Yes. And sort of begging like, you can take this space too. Yep. So... I think reaffirming them, this isn't your fault. It's nothing you've done. Right. There's nothing you could have done better or worse right. that would have caused this. Yeah. And this isn't this isn't from God. Right. God didn't send this on you. Yeah. No, and that's sitting huge. with them. Yes. Yeah. And obviously we're not talking about things that are like like when my dad had cancer, he'd smoked cigarettes for fifty years right, right, right. and and had eaten poorly and, and you know, it, it, when he would say, Hey, why do I have heart problems? Right. Or why why do I have lung cancer? Right. I mean, this it, isn't a dismissal of consequences, saying correct. like we can't just live however. Correct. Right. This is a dismissal of poor theology that says we serve a God who smites his people. Yes. That's what it is. Boom. <laughs> and and or I'm being disciplined and chastised by God right. or whatever. And, and and then you just go, Well, yes, God does discipline us, but he disciplines us like children. In last a time way. I checked. Yeah. <laughs> last time I checked, I didn't give kids my kids cancer. 
just to teach them a lesson. Because they took that extra candy. Right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I think too, memorize, all of us need to memorize the phrase, I don't know. Yep. So let's practice it together, Bonnie. Ready? Ready? If you're in your car, if you're on the uh, elliptical, uh, say it right now with us. Ready? One, two, three. I don't, I don't know. know. Hey, wh- hey, Bonnie, why did this happen? I don't know. Bonnie, uh, where's God in this? I don't know. Bonnie, do you think this will, I mean, do you think I did something to cause this? I don't know, but also no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trick one. I know, I know. I just saying if you were paying attention. <laughs> right. So, so Silence. Let's let's stop the cliches. Right. The other cliche I've heard uh, that I just remembered and that I want to wage war on is God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh my gosh! Come on. That is the biggest bunch of crock bull crap in the world. Yep. No swearing alert there. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for restraining. I censored. Ah, <laughs> it is because I hear that applied in so many different ways, and I think that comes. From 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul says, God will never tempt you, let you be tempted yeah, beyond what you I can bear. That uh-huh. But that's different than saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. First, first, uh, that is in direct conflict with the biblical evidence where God is giving people more than they can handle all the freaking time. All the time. So that they will trust him. Mm-hmm. Right? So, God, so, I mean, take the famous Gideon story. Right? So here's Gideon. They're here, the Midianites. There's like 50, 70,000, however many Midianites there are. A guy named Gideon, who is the least of his clan, the least of his tribe, the least of his family. God says, you're my guy. And, and then they have like 33,000 soldiers. God says, nope, too many, too many, too many. Gets it down to 300 and, mm-hmm. and says, just so, and, and I'm doing this just so you know, I actually did this, not mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And we think that's a cute Sunday school story, but that actually is how God works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, the the second thing wrong with that, God will never give you more than you can handle, outside of the fact that he often does, is that the the suffering you're undergoing is from God. Mm, Yeah. And it's given to you because you can handle it. Right. Right? So Mm -hmm. there's an implicit shaming that says if you don't handle it, Right. right. You're it, not strong right. enough, you're not following enough. So, well, and it gives a picture of God that's not true. Right. I mean, so the God we serve that is just piling a bunch of stuff on right. for what? Right. For fun? Well, I just remember I hearing <laughs> people would say, you know, God gives special kids to special parents. And I'm like, hmm, I'm not. I think maybe because you have a special kid, you become a special parent if you lean into it. Right. But but I don't think he's saying, okay, I've got a certain selection of kids with special needs and I'm looking, I just, I'm like, no. And, and in fact, one of my dear friends and I got in a huge argument after we found out about Seth because his question was, isn't it great to know that God gave you a kid with Down syndrome? And I said, God did not give me a kid with Down syndrome. I said, we live in a fallen world where bloodlines and DNA, and I mean, all of this stuff is polluted. God mm-hmm. never designed a world where there'd be genetic abnormalities. Right. He did not. Right. Uh, and we got in this huge argument about, no, I think this is from God. And I'm like, mm-mm. Right. No, it's not from God. I don't think it is. Now, his Down syndrome is part of who he is, and we love him, and we couldn't imagine him any other way, and we don't want him any other way. Right. But, but theoretically, you're exactly right. What does this say about what God is like? I'm convinced that one of the worst things that we do is we assign to God the work of his arch enemy, mm-hmm. uh, the adversary. Mm-hmm. That, that, that we're, 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 we're functional Muslims in the following respect. It's all, the God, it's all God's will. Mm-hmm. It's just all God's will. That's Islam. It's all God's will. Mm-hmm. Everything is God's will. Mm-hmm. 
And there are certain streams of Christianity where it's just everything is God's will. He's going to be glorified through the raping and maiming of young children. He's going to be glorified through this natural disaster. He's going to be glorified through X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see that in Jesus even remotely. We'll put that in perspective right now with Paris, right? Right. So you have that whole, have you seen this? It's like a whole trending hashtag, not my name. No, and it's Muslims no. that are coming forward going, this is not what we believe yes. our faith to be about. Oh, that's this good. is not part of it. That's good. And my husband and I were in a conversation about the exact same thing and going, okay, so when we take situations like Paris or like what, remember when Katrina hit? And yeah. it was like, it was because right. all these people were like, it's because it was in New Orleans and it the was gays. this whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, and going, wait a minute. Right. If that's true. Right. Then what does it say about the God we serve and That's who right. is He? Because That's right. it's not who it I've doesn't seen bear in the Bible. any any resemblance to Jesus. If Jesus no. is the definitive revelation right. of God, and all other revelations mm-hmm. are partial mm-hmm. next to the revelation of God and Jesus, then you cannot say you, you just can't. Because if you say look that. at the life and work of Jesus, it doesn't model that. Nope, not even remotely. Mm-mm. So Bonnie, here we are again solving the world's problems. I People don't know. just <laughs> I don't know. That's good. Come on, Bonnie. So, uh, my friends, thank you. Um, we've spent, and I'm sure this raises tons of questions, and we'll be spending tons of podcasts. And and we're not doing Bible study here. We're we're talking conversationally. And like I always say, I always think of things I should have said better, or differently, or whatever. Always, always. But I'm so grateful that Bonnie has been with us for a couple of episodes. So grateful that she's launching her own podcast. I think I'd really encourage you to check it out. Find the blue, as um, she and her therapist, which I think is the greatest thing ever. I was in therapy for 18 months, and uh, some some would say I need longer, but it was a powerful, powerful experience I loved for it. me. Everybody should do it, I, I think even so. if you don't think you should. Right, it's the best. And I wanted her to like get a cup, a glass of wine after. Like I thought we were friends. I was like, let's continue this for life. She's like, our session has ended. Exactly. Forty. You've <laughs> got 45 minutes. I know, time. seriously. I know. My guy would be like, hey, you've forgotten to pay me. And I think the reason is you don't like being reminded. <laughs> and we're 10 minutes over. Yes. Again. Oh, again. <laughs> so, so we love therapists big time. You are uh, immensely helpful. And so that'll be fun yeah. for you. For you. And uh, what's your therapist name? Oh, her name is Shay. Yeah, her, her it's, name is oh, Shay. No, so she's not my therapist. Oh, she's a therapist. She's a therapist. We've oh. been friends since middle school, and oh. now she's a therapist. Oh, and I do this theology oh, stuff. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I thought it was your therapist. I was like, No. Are you? It's is not she like going to charge you? Therapy sessions. I wish that would be that would have been a good. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want those good. published. No, I'm just I wouldn't say either. That right now. So it's just Shay and I tackling from two different. Yep. Spectrums. Yep. Yeah. I like it. Find the blue. Brothers and sisters, again, thank you for tuning in to Vox. We're so grateful for you. And uh, keep interacting with us on Twitter, Facebook, on subversivekingdom.com, or on iTunes. We're very, very grateful. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Till next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie Podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Geary. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.